Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, friends. Welcome to the November 10th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Yes, this week, I got a little Tuesday episode for you guys, and I'm doing it, of course, because it's Master's Week. So it's fitting that I started off with the show with a hello, friends. Uh, classic Jim Nance, Masters in November, what's not to love, it's going to be an absolutely electric week, uh, so on the episode today I'm going to get, do a deep dive into the Masters tournament, you might have already watched my video betting preview that's on the Odd Shark YouTube channel that I did last week, um, I'm going to get into it a little bit more in depth, uh, a couple extra things that I found out between when I recorded the video and now, and I'm also just going to talk about more bets, I'm going to talk about uh, just about every single golfer near the top of the odds list, give my thoughts on them, I'm also going to talk about some Prop bets, which I did not have in the video last week. Um, so I'm going to have some prop bets. I'm going to go through every single bet that I have locked in for the 2020 Masters. And I also, in the second half of the show, after I get through that, I have a Bacon Bets first. My first interview. I have mentioned that I wanted to start doing interviews. Um, and today was my first one. My cat Daisy is meowing at me. I already gave you wet food. What else do you want from me tonight? I don't know if you guys could hear that meow uh, through the microphone, but that was a vicious one. What? What? What do you want from me? You're not getting any more wet food, you goof. You heard me. Go lay down. Uh, <laughs> so that's going to be today's show. It's going to be all about the Masters. Got a lot to talk about about that. And then I have an interview with Dave Mason from Bet Online. Is the first ever Bacon Bets podcast interview. Uh, I wanted to. I tweeted out uh, during the election night that I wanted to talk to someone that worked at a sports book to talk about the odds uh, leading up to the election and during election night because it was the most wild night of betting uh, whatsoever. I was up until 4 a.m. following along, tweeting out from the Odd Shark account, got engagement from Dave Portnoy, from uh, Colin Cowherd. Uh, I mean, Megan Kelly followed the Odd Shark account, which is kind of crazy. Um, so wild night, record-breaking night for the Odd Shark website, for the Odd Shark Twitter account. Um, so I talked to Dave Mason about what it was like from a sport, uh, sportsbook angle, because he's one of the main guys over there at Bet Online. So he had a really, some really good insight um, about what goes into setting the odds, what kind of handle they had, uh, who they're kind of rooting for from from their perspective, uh, who they're going to make more money on. Um, so it was a really interesting converse, conversation. Um, I didn't want to keep the interview too, too long. So I think it's around 15, maybe closer to 20 minutes long. So that'll be after my med, uh, master's betting preview. going to start doing more interviews. Interviews are fun. Uh, it's always fun to hear uh, what other people say and what other people think uh, from the sports betting world. So if you have any other suggestions of who you want to hear uh, me interview and talk to, let me know. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have anything else uh, to say before we get into it. Shout out to Fuego Box. Uh, I was tweeting about hot sauce a couple weeks ago. I love hot sauce. Big hot sauce guy. You obviously know that I love bacon, considering it's the name of the podcast, and I dress up in my bacon costume uh, on more days than just Halloween. Um, but you know what I have with my bacon every morning is eggs. And you know what I put in my eggs? Because you have to put something in them because they're kind of bland by themselves is hot sauce. So I was tweeting about hot sauce, Fuego Box. Uh, sent me a message. They sent me a couple boxes of hot sauce. I think six different bottles of hot sauce, which is awesome. I use hot sauce in almost everything but especially in my eggs uh so check out them uh subscription service for hot sauces 
It's a great idea, actually. I didn't even know they existed until someone uh, shouted them out when I was uh, talking about hot sauces. So shout out to them. Thank you, thank you, Fuego Box, for sending me some hot sauces. I will devour them. I already tried one of them. It was very hot. Had a little bit of stir fry tonight. Tossed uh, one of the hot sauces in there. It was very hot, very good. The hotter, the better for me. Hot sauce makes you feel alive. It's kind of like taking a drug without it being a drug. It makes you feel alive. I love hot sauce. All right. That's everything I have for you. Um, If you want to donate to the show, um, instead of doing that, donate to my Movember uh, page. Tweeted it out, I think, yesterday or the day before, so check that out. It's under the thirst trap that I tweeted on Sunday. (laughs) I don't know why posting me showing off my legs isn't getting me more followers somehow. Doesn't that work for other people? Isn't that what thirst traps are supposed to be for? I know some people. I see them gain 10,000 followers in a week because they post thirst traps while posting their pics. I don't know why it's not working for me for some reason. Maybe i got to start showing off even more skin. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but under that tweet, I posted my link for my Movember, raising money for men's health. I'm growing a beautiful mustache. So uh, donate to that if you have a couple spare bucks. Subscribe to the show. Leave a review. Rate it. Uh, you guys know all that stuff. But without further ado, let's get into the Masters edition of the Bacon Bets Podcast. <laughs> More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into my master's betting preview. Now, a lot of the stuff, especially at the start here, I will say it's if you've already watched the video, it's gonna sound a little bit repetitive, so um I won't dig into the stuff that I've already talked about in the video too, too much, but I will mention it just in case you haven't watched the video. Uh, first thing I'm going to talk about is just some key things that you got to keep in mind for betting on the Masters. I know a lot of you also do daily fantasy lineups as well. I've got a few DMs asking me my daily fantasy picks. Um, listen to this because I'll uh, talk about some picks and talk about some things you want to keep an eye out for. So the first thing is weather. Weather is playing a huge factor at Augusta. Um, we don't really know just how the colder air is going to affect things. We've obviously never watched a Masters in November, um, but I did take a look at the weather report, which I obviously couldn't do last week because it was like Tuesday last week. They're not going to have a weather report for like nine days out, um, but I did check the re- weather report before recording this podcast. It's looking like a lot of rain over the weekend, a uh, little bit of wind on the weekend as well, rain almost every day, a little bit of wind on Saturday and Sunday as well, so you actually might want to start looking towards the more accurate hitters, the guys who don't necessarily have the distance but are very consistent in putting it on the fairway and putting it on the green. A guy uh, comes to the top of my mind right off the bat is Webb Simpson. I'll talk about him a little bit later once I get into the odds of each guy. But, uh, yeah, that rain and wind is going to cause things to be a little bit more tricky for the longer hitters. Uh, But we won't know for sure. Weather can still obviously change between now and Thursday and, of course, before the weekend. But I might want to keep on a little eye on that weather. I hope we get no delays. Delays always just completely screw up. Uh, PJ Tour events. Some guys have played like a round and a half on Saturdays or on one day. It's just, it gets annoying. So I hope the weather at least holds off enough that they don't get any delays. Uh, another thing is lefties. Gusta National. It's known to favor left-handed hitters. Uh, so that's good for me. I'm a lefty. So when I eventually get on the PJ Tour, I have a good shot to win the Masters. <laughs> Uh, it's known to favor left-hander, uh, left-handed hitters. A few holes, actually, there's a lot of holes with a dog leg. Uh, it's a dog leg from the right to the left. And if you don't know anything about golf, fading a shot, which means um, if you're a left-handed hitter, fa- if a fade is harder, is easier to hit um, 
the fuck's the opposite of a fade? Why am I having a brain fart on this? Slice hook is the bad version of them. Fade, draw. <laughs> Man, ooh, that's a bad brain fart. Fading the golf ball is easier to do than drawing the golf ball. So for a left-handed hitter, a fade is going away from him. So that starts from the right and then it fades to the left. A right-handed hitter, uh, a fade would be, it would start on the left, fade to the right. So since a lot of these dogleg holes are fading off to the left, they are right-to-left dogleg holes. Uh, with a left-handed hitter, it's easier for them to hit a fade, which makes the ball follow the tra- trajectory of the hole. Whereas a right-handed hitters have to hit draws, which are a little bit harder to hit than fades. So that's why uh, the course really does favor left-handed hitters, and it shows in the results. Bubba Watson, the only majors he's won is uh, is the Masters. He's what, what it's probably the second most notable left-handed golfer on tour, uh, and he's won the Masters twice. Uh, especially the, the way he can over-exaggerate the shape of his tee shots. He does very well at Augusta. Phil Mickelson, the most famous left-handed hitter, won the uh, the Masters three times. And then the uh, Masters, which was actually the first ever PGA Tour event I ever watched, the 2003 Masters, is obviously notable for me because this guy was Canadian. The only Canadian to ever win a major on the PGA Tour is a massive news story when it happened. It was all over the country. He's one of the great... Canadian sports moments in our history. That was when Mike Weir won back in 2003. I actually rewatched it this April. Um, during the weekend that was supposed to be the Masters in April, I watched a lot of like old uh, final round tournaments, and one of them was the 2003 Masters. Uh, he kind of pulled it out at the end. Um, like they were barely showing him all throughout the final round, and then at the, like the last couple holes, he kind of pulled it out. They forced a playoff. I forget who it was that he forced a playoff with, uh, but the other guy was just a bag of nerves when he got to the playoffs. Uh, I actually think Mike Weir might have even won on just a power or a bogey, and the other guy just completely screwed up the playoff hole. Uh, but I remember watching that live. I would have been 11 years old, 10 years old. Um. By the way, the Jets and Patriots are in the second quarter as I'm recording this podcast. I'm on the under, and it already looks over pretty much. Jets are about to score again, and they're already up 10-7. Whoa, do they have – Patriots must have had a turnover. They just had the ball. Oh, well, whatever. Uh, yeah, Mike Weir won back in 2003. He's a left-handed hitter was my point uh, before I went on that rant. He's a left-handed hitter. So uh, since 2003, six winners have been lefties. So that's 17 years, 16 years of winners. Six of them have been left-handed hitters. Now, the only left-handed guys on the in the field, I'll try to find a resource somewhere online that just had a list of lefties on PJ Tour. I couldn't find it anywhere. If someone has one of those, send it to me. Uh, Phil Mickelson and Bubba and Mike Weir is actually playing again in this tournament, I think are the only left-handed hitters. The only one I know off the top of my head who's on the PJ Tour who's left-handed hitter is Brian Harmon. Um, but he's not in this the field this uh, week. So, uh, I don't know if there's any other lefties. If anyone else knows of where, where to find out a uh, list of lefties on the PJ Tour, send it to me, please. I'll give you a shout-out if you do. But I, I, I don't think there's any other lefty-handed hitter, so that point's kind of moot. Uh, the only one who even has a chance is Bubba Watson. He could play well this week. Phil Mickelson's done. Uh, Mike Weir's not <laughs> not even worth mentioning this. He's just coming back because the former champions can play in the Masters. He's, he's done. Um but it is worth noting. Uh, past performance, always a big thing you want to look at in the Masters. Obviously held at the same course every year, so looking at the uh, past results will give you a solid idea of whose style of game fits the course well. Uh, more on that when I get through my picks. Uh, past performance is something I cite quite a bit when talking about what golfers are going to back this week. Uh, one thing that I didn't mention in the video that I did just find out today, and I think it might have just even been announced today, uh, is that there's a change to the cut line this, this year. So usually... 
what has been the past few years, or at least in my recent memories, a top 50 golfers advance to the weekend, or it might be low, it might be like 52, it's, it's 50-ish, somewhere around there, but it, it also used to be that if you're within 10 strokes of the lead, you also made the cut, so even if you weren't in the top 50, as long as you were within 10 strokes of the lead, you still moved on to the weekend. They've removed that part of the rule. So I think last year, I think there were seven or eight golfers that wouldn't have made the cut, but they did because they're within 10 strokes of the lead. They've gotten rid of that. So now it's just top 50, top 50, that's it. Which actually may mean, that may make for some good betting spots on certain guys to miss the cut. And I actually have, I think, three bets on guys to miss the cut. So I'll get into that uh, uh, at the end of this portion of the the show. I'll talk about which guys I'm betting on to miss the cut. It's going to help those bets a little bit. Uh, as well because you have to be in the top 50 or top 52 whatever it is within 10 strokes the lead does not matter this year don't know why they made that change maybe it's because they foresee bad weather and having to squeeze in some rounds on the weekend i don't know but regardless that's the new rule keep that into consideration if you're going to make any make or miss cut bets um key stats like i said i already talked about these in the video i'll quickly go through them again there's a sixth one that i've added on since last week's video so i'll touch on that but ball striking first thing uh that i'm going to talk about uh, driving and not being the best off the tee. If there is one step, I mean, you can't have any holes to win at Augusta. It's it's one of the most just all around challenging courses uh, in the world. You can't be really weak anywhere, but if there is one spot you can be a little bit subpar, it is driving. So I'm just going to toss that in with ball striking because ball striking is total driving combined with greens and regulation. And greens and regulation are important and even more important the next stat is strokes gained approaching the tee. I think the most important stat for the Masters is your iron play. So that's why I kind of like greens and regulation combined with the ball striking. And then the second stat is strokes gained approaching the green. These greens are so tough. It's not just good enough to be able to putt well. I really hope the Jets miss this field goal. Hook it. No. Of course when I bet on unders, guys are just nailing 50-yard field goals for fuck's sakes. I need this under to have a profitable NFL week too. Um, but back to, back to the Masters. Um, it's not just good enough to be able to putt well. You have to get it close to the pin with your irons to make your putts a little bit easier because you're not going to be able to sink a lot of putts uh, over like 15 feet or 10 feet at the Masters. These greens are just treacherous. Uh, par 4 efficiency, 450 to 500 yards. So 5 of the 10 par 4s are exactly within that 450 to 500 yard mark. But 9 of the 10 are right there so there's um there's i think it's two that are 440 one that's 445 and then one that's 505 so if you just expand that length just by 10 yards then you're getting nine of the 10 par four so that that 50 yard distance is going to be key this week uh so that is one of my stats par four efficiency 450 to 500 yards scrambling scrambling percentage always a key stat i love looking at scrambling percentage especially at more tough courses especially where scoring is going to become um scoring birdies is going to be rare so with birdies being as rare as they are giving up birdies that you've previously had is going to absolutely kill you around so if they don't get on get to the green and regulation being able to get back on it and save power is going to be absolutely key 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 so scrambling percentage and then strokes gain putting we all know this this is huge at augusta uh, probably the most famous greens in the world for just how fast they are. They're lightning fast. There's almost no putts on any green that's just going to be a straight putt. Almost every putt has breaks. You have to putt well at Augusta. And this is true more than any other course on the PGA Tour, probably any other course in the world. These greens are nuts. They're nutty putty. Strokes gain putting. And then the one I'm, I added on is par 5 scoring. Historically, 
Um, guys have had to go for it on par fives um, and do well on par fives in order to win the event. Tiger Woods, that's kind of where he won the event last year. I think he was 10, 10 under on all the par fives uh, combined throughout, uh, throughout the tournament. And then the other holes like par threes and par fours, he was like only like around par close to that. So par fives are massive. If you can get the occasional eagle, if you can birdie the par fives, they're absolutely huge. Uh, so I'm adding in par five scoring as a little bit of a sixth key stat, little bonus key stat for those of you who are listening to the podcast as well as who watch the betting uh, preview video. Um, so let's go down the list of the top guys on the odds list here, and I'll give you my thoughts on all of them. Uh, the odds have shifted a little bit from the video last week, but I'll mention those uh, with with when I get to my picks when it's relevant. Uh, starting off with the betting favorite right now is Bryson DeChambeau. Now, oh, two go- there's two golfers that... Actually, I do have a bet on Bryson DeChambeau, but it's not a no. I don't. Have, I don't have a bet on Bryson DeChambeau to win outright. Uh, I have a matchup bet for him, which I'll get into uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but as far as guys, I'm interested to watching outside of just a betting angle. Obviously, Tiger Woods is one. Two is Bryson DeChambeau because we haven't seen him play at Augusta since he completely changed his style to just this overpowering drive the ball 400 yards, gouging out courses kind of style uh, where he's all bulked up. Uh, we haven't seen him at Augusta, and that's a lot of the word go- going around the golf world is just how is, like, he might, there is a chance that he just completely gouges this course. Uh, I saw in a practice round today on hole 18, he just completely put it above the trees, above the bunkers. He put it, like, to the a former practice area just uh, in front and to the left of the green. I mean, there's some holes that he can just take out uh, almost the entire hole, uh, almost all the dangers of the hole just with how far he hits it. Even if he hits it in the rough, he's still going to be, like, 50 yards out of the green. Um, so that's going to be very, very, very intriguing. I actually think he might be paired up with Tiger in round one, which would be unbelievable. That's pay for whatever streaming service you have to pay for. Uh, watch that group. That's going to be absolutely insane. And don't quote me on that. They might not be paired t- together, but he's the favorite and for good reason because we saw what he did to winged foot at the U.S. Open. He might just be able to do the same thing here at Augusta. It's going to be very interesting. Don't forget when Tiger came out, uh, they had to, uh, what term do they use? Um, tiger proof Augusta because tiger, he was hitting it so far and so long, uh, when he, uh, kind of emerged on tour that that's how he won his masters. What was the first masters he won? 97. I think it was a 97 masters and he won it by like 15 strokes. It was on and, that, and that's why, because he just overpowered the golf course. Now they've made adjustments since then. So guys like tiger couldn't do that. But now Bryson DeChambeau has taken it to another level above that. So he might be able to do what tiger woods did back in 1997. If Bryson DeChambeau was higher than 10 to one, I would be betting on him, but I hate betting on the favorite in a golf tournament. I may live to regret that though. Cause he might just completely gouge Augusta. It's going to be interesting to watch. By the way, side note about Bryson DeChambeau. I see people on Twitter accusing him of taking steroids. Ooh, Cam Newton just got sacked hard. I do not. I would bet a lot of money Bryson DeChambeau is not on. He doesn't look like he's on steroids. I, you know what people who are on steroids look like. It's not him. He looks like a guy who's just been eating a shit ton and lifting a lot of weights. It's possible to get to bulk up, guys, without steroids. It's possible. Steroids, guys, their muscles are like a lot more defined, chiseled. Uh, he doesn't look chiseled. He just looks big. That's definitely possible with a hard regimen of working out and, and taking protein and eating a ton. He does not look like a steroid guy whatsoever. So um, I've seen that a lot on Twitter. It, he's not. He's not on steroids, guys. You, you can tell guys that are on steroids. He's not on steroids. He just works his ass off. So Bryson DeChambeau is the favorite at plus 800. Next is Dustin Johnson, plus 900. 
I uh, tweeted this out earlier today. Uh, he's current number one golfer in the world and for good reason. Listen, so uh, I remember I started fading him right after he withdrew from the 3M Open in late July. on July 24th. I think it was a Friday of that tournament. He withdrew because he withdrew citing an injury, but he was really like 12 over or something. Uh, and then I started fading him the next couple tournaments after, but I regret doing that because since he withdrew with that quote-unquote injury at the 3M Open, this is how he's finished the next tournaments after that. WGC FedEx St. Jude tied for 12th, PGA Championship tied for second, Northern Trust he won, so first place, BMW Championship second, solo second, Tour Championship won first place, won the FedEx Cup, US Open tied for sixth, and then Houston Open tied for second, which was just last week, so 12th, second, first, second, first, sixth, second. So, I mean, he's number one golfer in the world for, for good reason. Also, he's he's done very well at Augusta recently. Uh, he's one of those guys that were kind of in the group at the end last year. Um, he, pro- he I was going to say he probably should be the favorite over Dan DeChambeau with Chambeau's style. Just He might gouge a course, like I said. So, Dustin Johnson is a very good chance. I hate betting on guys pre-tournament who are higher than 10 to 1 odds, so that's why I'm staying away, but I also might regret that. So if you want to bet on either DeChambeau or Justin jo- Dustin Johnson, I don't blame you whatsoever. I just, like I said, I want a little bit better odds. Uh, John Rahm, 10 to 1. I don't hate John Rahm for him to win this weekend. I hate his odds, though. 10 to 1, I don't think he's deserving of being third on the odds list whatsoever. Tied for 23rd at the U.S. Open. Tied for 17th at the CJ Cup. Did have a tied for second place at the Zozo Championship. And we do all know John, how good John Rahm is with an iron in his hand, which I said previously is the most important thing at Augusta, in my opinion. Um, but I, I, yeah, he just hasn't quite played well enough recently for, for, for me to justify 10 to one. Now, if he's more like 15 to one, 16 to one, I'd probably fire on him, but 10 to one, I'd want more value. I'm not going to take him there. Uh, next one is a guy who, uh, if you saw my master's video, you guys know my three outright picks already. Justin Thomas, um, I got, actually got a better number than what uh, he's listed at right now. Last week, he's 12 to one. He's up to 11 to one today. Uh, I won't talk too much about the guys who I already picked because I, and, you know, gave all my points in the in the Masters video from last week. But uh, just to re- just to reiterate, uh, I keep saying I think irons are the most important thing. It usually is at most majors, by the way, but especially so at Masters. He was first in strokes gained approaching the green during the 2020 season. Uh, um, I think I saw a stat. I think I saw someone tweet it out. I think it was that Justin Ray guy. He always puts out good stuff. But um, since the PGA Tour restart, the guys who are – he's – He's the best guy in strokes gained approaching the green since the restart that's playing in this tournament. I think Russell Henley might be first, but he's not in this tournament. One other guy might be there as well, also not in the tournament. But Justin Thomas, very good with his iron in his hand. His putting concerns me a little bit. He's a very average putter, and that's tough at Augusta. But if his putting is even just above average for him, he'll be right there on Sunday. So Justin Thomas was my first pick. I got him at 12-1. to He's 11-1 to right now. Next is Rory McIlroy. Big story this year. I mean, it's always been a story since 2015. Rory McIlroy has a chance to complete his career Grand Slam with the win of the Masters. He's won the U.S. Open. He's won the British Open. And he's won the PGA Championship twice. So all he's missing is the green jacket. Um, Little trivia for you guys. Something that uh, if you don't know, if you ever go to Trivia Night, this might come up. Only five golfers in the history of uh, golf have completed the career Grand Slam. Only five. I would have thought it was more. Can you name the five golfers? I'll give you a second. You might get four of them. The last one I never would have gotten in a million years, and I don't think you will either because it's from like the 20s or 30s. Uh, Tiger Woods, obviously. 
Y'all know that one. Jack Nicholas, y'all know that one. I would have said Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer's not on there. He must I didn't look into it, but he must have not he must have missed one of the majors. Uh, so Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, everyone would have known that one. Ben Hogan, Gary Player, and then the fifth one, I never would have guessed in a million years. Gene Sarazen. Like I said, he was I think he was the first one to do it back in like the twenties and thirties. So uh, write that down, a little trivia. Study that. That's a classic trivia question. Um, but my, I mean, my point is only five golfers have, have done it. And I think at some point, if, if you, if you don't career, like complete the grand slam, like get like the last two majors you need within the span of like a year or two, I feel like it starts to become a mental block for golfers. We've seen it with Phil Mickelson. He only, he's only missing the U S open and he's finished in second place a million times because of, he has a few late tournament choke jobs at the U S open. And I think that fact of, Oh, I need to get the career grand slam. I need to get the career grand slam. I think that might actually put a little bit of unneeded extra pressure on golfers. Maybe the same might be said for Rory. He finished tied for 21st last year uh, at the masters, but he did have five straight top 10 finishes before that. Uh, but he hasn't played well enough recently for me to bet on him at his current price of 12 to one. He's just always like a sexy name on, on there. So uh, not great value at 12 to one. I don't think he hasn't played great recently either. Next is Xander Shoffley, 14 to one. I really like Xander Shoffley here. He was my pick last year. Um, and I think he, did he finish? Yeah, he was tied for second at last year's masters. So he almost came through to me through for me. I almost want to bet on him again this year, but I, I ended up, I usually only like to do like one guy in like the top five or top 10, 10 or so odds or top six or so odds that a tier of guys on the odds list. So I went with Justin Thomas instead this year, but Xander Shoffley is not a bad call whatsoever. He's played in 13 majors in his career and he's has seven top 10 finishes including, like I said, a uh, tied for second last year. So he always brings it to majors. He has a fifth at the U.S. Open this year, second at the CJ Cup, so he's in good form. Great with an iron in, in his hand. Great putter, 13th in strokes gained putting this season. If Justin Thomas like withdrew or something, I would take my Justin Thomas bet money and I would put it on Xander instead. Uh, so I like the Xander if you'd want to go that way. Uh, Brooks Kepka, 16-1. to 1. Um, I know Kepka had a tied for five, tied for fifth finish at the Houston Open last week, but I can't touch him at sixteen to one just with how up and down his twenty twenty has been. He's been injured like on and off for a year. He's had some bad tournaments. He was right there at the PGA Championship and then blew it in the final round. I think he's overvalued in majors now because of how many majors he's won the past few years. So I'm not saying he won't or can't win this weekend, but sixteen to one, too steep of a price. I will not be betting on him myself. So crossing off Brooks Kepka, Patrick Cantlay. 25 to 1. This is my second pre-tournament pick. Solid all around. Finished tied for ninth at last year's Masters. Won the tournament he played in in the Zozo Championship. The last tournament he played in, I should so, say. So, I mean, you can't be in better form than coming off a win heading into the Masters. So, uh, I think he's the first guy on the odds list that actually has uh, betting value at 25 to 1. I'm surprised to see him at that number, especially with him coming off a win. So, that's my second pick. Patrick Cantlay, 25 to 1. Bubba Watson is actually next on the odds list, which is very surprising to me, but it's probably just because of his history at Augusta. Uh, I, I talked about him when I was talking about lefty. He's a lefty, and not only is he lefty, he's the best player on PGA Tour as far as being able to shape his shots. So being able to get around the uh, the corners of the dog legs, is he's very good at doing that. He's also in pretty good form too, actually. He has two straight top 10 finishes. Uh, I just don't like his value at 28-1. He doesn't have a win since 2018. He hasn't played well enough since the PGA Tour returned to action in the spring for me to bet on him at 28-1. to So he might be a good spot for some round-by-round matchup bets. I'll be looking out for those. And I will tweet those out, by the way, as I go as the tournament goes along. But for me to place a pre-tournament bet on him, I can't do it. His putting just hasn't been good this year at all either. He's near the bottom in strokes gained putting. 
but it could be an intriguing play for some uh, for some uh, round by round matchups. Um, now I am going to talk with some other guys. I'm not going to go in order. I'm just going to skip through some of the names here. I'm just going to mention some other notable guys. Patrick Reed, 28 to one. I will throw up if he wins another Masters, and I may never watch a Masters again as long as he's in it. If he wins again this year, uh, Tony Finau, 28 to one, biggest choke artist on the PGA Tour. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's true. There's a guy who follows me who says he's not going to cut his hair until Patrick Reed or until Tony Finau wins a tournament, which he might be waiting a long time. He's one of the best, like, top 20 guys on tour, but he just, I mean, if you can't close it out at the Phoenix Open when you have basically, you have the tournament in your bag, basically, with one hole to play, I can't trust you to come up clutch on Sunday at Augusta. And I'm especially sour about him because of that. He lost me a lot of money at the Phoenix Open when he blew it there in the last hole to Webb Simpson. Uh, I think that was the last full tournament before the pan. No, it wasn't. That was Super Bowl weekend, so there's still a few more after that, but he absolutely fucking blew it. Missed his field goal, Patriots. Field goal kickers can't miss today. What the fuck is going on? One minute left in the second. It's 13-10. The under is dead. They got to start missing some field goals for me. Ah! Uh, I can't trust Tony Finau to show up on Sunday at Augusta. I mean, that's the most pressure any golfer will ever face in his career, and Tony Finau has shown time and time again he folds under pressure at a much smaller event. So I will pass on Tony Finau. Colin Morikawa, pretty shocked to see this number, to be honest. I was very close to betting on him. I mentioned how Justin Thomas was first in strokes gain approaching the green in the 2020 season. Colin Morikawa, second in that category. He showed that off the PGA Championship, so he's already shown that he can win a major. Uh, big concern with him is his putting, especially lately. So far in the 2021 season, Colin Morikawa is 247th in strokes gained putting. So that's why I did not bet on, on him. That is terrible. I think there's only like 270 guys right now are registered for strokes gained putting stat. He's 247th, and you can't be a bad putter at Augusta. If he can pull it together with his flat stick and have a good weekend of putting, he has great value at 33-1, to 1, but I have to see it to believe it. I will not be betting on Colin Morikawa. Tiger Woods. I gave my thoughts on Tiger Woods in the video. If you guys have listened to really any of my PJ Tour breakdowns in the past, you know my thoughts about Tiger Woods. I love Tiger. I'm not a Tiger hater. I hope he wins, actually. I'd be fine with losing my bets like I did last year if it means Tiger Woods wins because it's it's just such a great story. It's Tiger Woods. How can you not love him? But he hasn't had a top 20 finish in seven straight cuts. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Uh, he finished like 74th at the Zozo Championship, which was a no-cut event. He would have missed... Um, the cut if there was a cut uh there's no cut of the zozo championship he finished fourth last and that was just a couple weeks ago so a little bit more on tiger in a bit when i talk about prop bets but if you want to bet on him for fun if you're a tiger fan if this is the only event you watch every year because you want to root for tiger please do enjoy yourself best of luck i will not be parting with my money on tiger woods though uh, Webb Simpson, 33 to one, very interesting price. As I mentioned earlier, especially if it rains, if it's shitty weather, look for Webb Simpson. He will have some value at that 33 to one mark. Um, Adam Scott, 66 to one, former masters winner, very interesting price at 66 to one for a guy who's the 15th ranked golfer in the world right now. Uh, he just hasn't played a, a ton since the pandemic. So it's kind of ha- hard to get a real good feel of how, he, what kind of form he's going to be in heading into this week. Um, but 66 to one, if you want to take a little bit of a dark horse, uh, Adam Scott might be your guy. Jordan Spieth, 66 to one as well. Uh, I just wanted to point out his odds so I can laugh, but almost cry because <laughs> I miss the old Jordan Spieth. I really do. Like he, he looked on fire and he has never, ever since he blew the masters in 2016, 
yes, 2016, when he had a five-stroke lead in the back nine in the final round and then got a quadruple bogey on, what hole was it? 12th hole, I think. Um, he just, he's, he lost it mentally. He should not be anywhere close to being higher than 100 to 1. It's mind-blowing that he's 66 to 1. He's terrible. He missed the cut last week, the Houston Open. He's all out of sorts. I, I'm assuming he's already, but if not, he needs to he needs to have a sports psychologist and see a sports psychologist every single day, because uh, he's an absolute mental case. Uh, next, uh, those are oh Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler was the other guy that I bet on in the video. I actually got a bad number on him compared to this week, uh, so I, I have him locked in at fifty to one at plus five thousand. This week he's sixty six to one. Um, I know he's never won a major, and he's he's been known as a choker, but he has. Um, he's top 100 in all stats that I pointed out. Doesn't so he doesn't have any holes. He's pretty good at everything. Great history at Augusta. Uh, he's finished 12th or better at the Masters in five of his last six starts, including a solo second in 2018, the one that uh, Patrick Reed won. Um, he has 11 top tens in his career in majors, so he always brings it to a major. Will he win? I don't know. I haven't bet on him to win, but you, a good bet would be for him to finish in the top 10 or top 20. Like I said. 12th or better in five of his last six starts at Augusta. So top 10 or top 20 could be some value there. Um, speaking of top 10, top 20, I got some uh, dark horse picks for you guys. I got two of them. I'm going to be on top 20 for both of them. First one is Jason Cockrack. Uh, he won the CJ Cup a few weeks ago. If you, if, uh, if you don't remember, he finished tied for 17th at the U.S. Open this year. So he's in great form. He's third in strokes gained putting this season. Uh, doesn't have any glaring weaknesses. And like I said, third in strokes gained putting. That's going to come huge at Augusta. Great play for DFS if you're a daily fantasy player. Um, or if you just want a long shot bet, he's 100 to 1 to win. I'm not going to bet on him to win. I have a bet on him to finish in the top 20 at plus 230, which I think is great value. Another dark horse guy, Kevin Kisner. He's one of my favorite. I, whenever I say a dark horse guy, his name always comes to mind. He's 150 to 1. He's a South Carolina guy. He's played at Augusta quite often in the offseason. He, he, he's been on record saying he plays Augusta quite often, so he has a pretty good amount of experience there. He's also one of the best putters on tour, and we know that's huge at the Masters. I can't say that enough. He's consistent. He's accurate. Also might be a good play for some rainy weather because, uh, like I said, he's a shorter hitter, but he's very accurate. So he's 150 to 1, but I'm going to take him top 20 at plus 340. Uh, so, I mean, that's my pick about uh, most of the top golfers and a couple uh, dark horses. I'm just going to go through all my bets that I have locked in. I will also be doing round-by-round round bets. I will tweet those out, but obviously those aren't out as of yet. So pre-tournament bets, this is what I have locked in. Justin Thomas to win, 12-1. to 1. Patrick Cantley to win, 25-1. to 1. Ricky Fowler to win, 50-1. to 1. Kevin Kisner, top 20, plus 340. Jason Cockrock, top 20, plus 230. Bryson DeChambeau, I mentioned earlier I do have a matchup bet for him. I have Bryson DeChambeau to finish higher than Rory McIlroy this tournament at minus 120. Jameson Crowder just scored a touchdown with like 30 seconds left in the half. So, okay. So, my over bet is done. It's going to be I'm going to be 7-7 seven seven this week in the NFL for a slight loss. That stings. And I also needed him not to score to win my fantasy matchup too. So, that fucking sucks all around. 25 seconds left in the first half. That's That sucks so much. I'm sorry I keep getting distracted. I can't help it. Bryson DeChambeau, minus 120 over Rory McIlroy. Uh, that is a matchup bet that I have. I also have Ricky Fowler, minus 120 over Tiger Woods. Um, another Tiger Woods bet I have. I'm sorry. I have to do it. The value is there. Tiger Woods to miss the cut at plus 250. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. He would have missed the cut if there was a cut of the Zozo Championship. Those were his last two starts. He's been bad. I'm sorry. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he wins. 
I hope I'm putting my foot in my mouth, but plus 250 for him to miss the cut, I have to jump on that value. He's been terrible lately. I'm sorry, but he has been. Um, Jordan Spieth to miss the cut. He, plus 200, that's another bet I've locked in. He missed the cut of the Houston Open last week. He missed the cut of the U.S. Open. Uh, still all out of sorts. He hasn't had a good finish, and I don't know how long. Jordan Spieth to miss the cut, plus 200. Another to miss the cut is Danny Willett to miss the cut. Uh, he won the U.S. Open the year that uh, Jordan Spieth blew it in 2016, I believe, if I'm correct. Uh, he withdrew in the from the Houston Open last week. He had a tied for 55th at the Bermuda Championship, which is a very weak field. He missed the cut at both the Scottish Open and the U.S. Open. So despite him winning a few years ago, I'm also going to take Danny Willett to miss the cut at plus 105. And then the final bet I have um, is going to be a two-unit play. And this one is an absolute lock, in my opinion, out of every bet I've listed today. I'll finish off my little Masters betting preview with what I think is the biggest lock of the weekend. And it is for there to be a hole-in-one. It is juicy. That's why I'm putting two units on it. So it's minus 225. Um so I'm putting two units on that. If you want to go higher, I wouldn't blame you. I think this there's always a hole-in-one um, at the Masters. And why? It's because on hole 16. So on hole 16, the pin placement on Sunday, they purposely put it... Uh, if you don't know hole 16, it's a par 3. And it kind of... It, it, into the front left of the green, there's like a... it Like the curvature of the green uh, bowls down into that area. So they purposely put that on there on Sunday for some like electric chances at a hole-in-one. There's usually two or three on Sunday on hole 16 because if you put it anywhere like to, on the right side of the green or the center or even a little bit past the pin, it funnels right down to where the pin is at. Um, and that's just on Sunday. It's also a very just hole and winnable hole in the, the first three days of the event uh, as well. So uh, I think this is the biggest lock of the week for it. Will there be a hole in one? Yes, minus 225. I have two units on it. I wouldn't blame me if you go more. Uh, but there you go. That's all I got for the Masters. Best of luck to everyone with your Masters picks. Uh, the second half of the show, as I mentioned at the top, is uh, my first ever interview on the Bacon Bets podcast. Um, my interview with Dave Mason from Bet Online. We talked about the 2020 election, what the odds were like heading in, uh, what was it like uh, election night, all good stuff. He had a lot of really good information. So that's coming up. The My first ever interview on the Bacon Bets podcast with Dave Mason. All right, it is time for the first ever interview on the Bacon Bets podcast. I'm here with Dave Mason of Bet Online. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I just wanted to bring him on to talk about the wild <clears throat> election day, wild election night. Uh, Dave, thank you for joining me. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, obviously, last week, the election night, I mean, it, it was an absolutely crazy night from a betting standpoint. Uh, I, I run actually the Odd Shark Twitter account, so most of the tweets you see come out come out of there are, are from me. And we just saw some just record-setting engagement, record-setting people amount of people on the Odd Shark website as well. Uh, you, you obviously do quite a bit of different things with Bet Online. I wanted to talk to someone who's kind of on the sports book side of things. Um, my first question, just really basic: What was your guys' total handle for the election, and does it compare to really any other event in the past? Nah, this is this was we broke records. Um, it, it was amazing. I mean, I, two thousand before last week, two thousand sixteen election night was probably the most, the craziest night, that most memorable night I've had in this industry. I've been involved for a few years now, but this this shattered that just on you know the engagement, like you said, and and. The action, I mean, we did as much action on this election as about two Super Bowls combined. So, 
Yeah, wow. I mean, Super Bowl's the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's that's always, you know, you always use that. That's our Super Bowl. This is your Super Bowl, but we have, might have to uh, change that uh, terminology. This is an election night kind of type. It, it was just amazing. I mean, it was, you know, leading up to it is this, all these people just won. Everybody wanted to bet, and a lot, and a lot of huge bets, too. I mean, people really depositing five, six figures and, and betting and just – Really strong opinions and and nothing like nothing we ever seen, man. Just those big size bets and everybody's betting on, and rebetting it, and then the live betting. It was it the volume. The volume was just insane. <clears throat> yeah, so I, 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 it's safe to assume this was a even bigger action than the 2016 election. Eh? Oh yeah, we we blew that out of the water. It wasn't even close, and that that was insane. I, I you know I, I would have lost a lot of money the day after the 2016 election <laughs> if saying we'd ever. <laughs> Uh, blow that out of the water but we did yeah so so how how did you guys end up uh, by the end of the night was i, I assume trump was uh, a bigger mm -hmm. liability for you guys i assume you guys would have lost more if trump did end up winning the election uh did you guys end up positive from a sports book perspective uh <clears throat> yeah we, we still need biden i mean we haven't even graded most of the markets yet right. like most books you know we're all kind of on standby mode it's just it's too, we got to be a hundred percent sure there's just too much money on this event. And it's too, you know, it's, there's a lot of passionate betters on both sides too. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is a very, um, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of heat on both sides. So the, you couple that with, with just how much action is on this, we have to get it right. So I know a lot of other books are doing that too, but, but yeah, as of now, I mean, we've needed Biden for probably the last three weeks. We used to like over a month ago. We needed we actually needed Trump, and then then really? that kind of yeah. Then I kind of got a lot of that was uh, we took a lot of bets on Biden, you know, in the futures, uh, you know, after after like that first debate when he he bombed in that first Democratic debate, and Kamala, you know, uh, gave him the business there, and and his odds went long and took a lot. So a lot of that <clears throat> there's a lot of exposure on Biden from that that standpoint, but. I mean, most of the action came in over the last month, especially the last week or two. So that we went black, black pretty quick. And there was black, black, you know, win, win for a little while. And then, then there's all that late money on Trump. And, and it, it just took off from there. <clears throat> yeah, I, I didn't place a bet on it myself. Uh, I, I'm Canadian, so I didn't really have a horse in the race. I was going to bet on it. But it's just like you said, it's so polarizing. Uh, everyone who was betting on Trump thought for sure Trump was going to win yep. in the landslide. And then the, the same thing with anyone who was betting on, on Biden. Um, and then I just didn't really know who to believe. And then I just <laughs> didn't know if I should trust the polls because right. the polls led everyone astray back in 2016. Um, but one thing that I saw people could have done, I don't know if you were, if you were able to see if anybody did successfully do it, uh, but with the amount of, of shifting in the odds on election night, people could have successfully kind of middled the election and got decent plus money on both sides. Do you know if, if a good portion of people at all <laughs> uh, managed to do that? A ton of people uh, did some nice arbon and uh, it was out there, you know, so a lot of people did that. More than more so than any other event I've ever seen. So, uh, but you know, good good on them. Some books don't like that, but we don't care. You know, bet the odds. You post the odds and bet them. All right. So, you know, some books shy away on that. Oh, you're arbing us. You're arbing us. But you know, if we're gonna post it, bet it. We don't care. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Now, leading leading into the election, one of the questions I had for you was because. Uh, betting on the election is, is so strange because one of the things I just brought up about how uh, the polls were completely wrong in 2016. 
How do you guys determine kind of where to set the odds heading into into the election? Biden was a, a slight favorite. He was what, like minus 150, minus 160 heading into election day, something like that. Yeah. But- um, I mean, usually in sports, you have stats and stuff to base it off sure. of. I would assume you would start basing it off of polls, but because polls are so wrong in 2016, uh, how do you determine the odds heading into election day? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the election betting is a different beast. Um, you know, you, it's not like NFL. You can you can you can figure out the odds and spreads blindfolded, right? I mean, it's, there's just such a there, there's such a history, and, and you know what the hell you're doing. But poll, you know, the, the elections come up every four years, and four years ago, those polls were drastically wrong, and sports books paid a heavy price on it, right? So. I mean, you still have to respect it. You know, people are saying you still have to respect the polls somewhat. Uh, you know, one election, 2016, that is a small sample size when it comes down to it. I don't care how wrong they were. Um, so you still kind of have to respect them, engage by them. You, you look what other markets are doing, too. You, you look at what other uh, sports books that are respected are doing, taking sharp action. You know, we take sharp action. We took a lot of sharp action. Most of it was on Biden. So, you know, it, it's, you know, people are kind of laughing at me on Twitter when I, the election night, when I was saying sharp actions on, on, on Biden, you know, I think 88% of our sharp betters or sharp, our sharp tickets oh, wow. were on Biden. And I tweeted something like that out and a couple of the Trump guys were kind of busting my chops. And I was like, <laughs> sharp betters, sharp politics, whatever. And I'm like, you know, sharps will bet anything. They're, they're not, they're not betting just for the heck of it. They're betting when they have, if they think right. they have a mathematical advantage, it doesn't matter if it's the NFL politics, tiddlywinks, hot dogs, Russian ping pong, whatever. It doesn't matter. So we're going to respect right. that action. So we don't mind um, gambling a little bit with, with that sharp intel. So that's why the odds go up. You know, we're going up too, despite the the, the, the majority of the action on Trump. So he kind of bunched that all together, and that's how Biden was the, the favorite. You know, we had him right at minus 180, minus 200. Um, minus went up to minus two twenty election day. It was all right in that kind of um, range. Yeah, so I mean that kind of leads into my next question. You kind of answered it there as well, but I'm completely ignorant as far as the setting the odds side, the sports book side of betting, whether it's sports betting, politics betting, anything. Um, I've been betting on sports for about ten years now. Uh, that, but that aspect of it I've just never truly kind of learned or looked into so is the amount of money that you guys have received on on either candidate I, I assume that that comes into the factor of where you're setting the odds at least somewhat no it does absolutely <clears throat> um absolutely but it's not the it's it's not the end-all be-all like some people oh they you know you hear always these people oh the sports books just set the lines and they get even action on both sides and they're just scooping the juice now that's that's bs that's <laughs> further than the truth that doesn't matter again if it's an nfl game an election or russian ping pong it's we take our sides we're not gonna <clears throat> we're gonna respect the sharp money and we're gonna side you know if, if we're gonna side with the sharp money and leaves us exposed to the public We'll do that. Now, on something like as big as this, we might be a little bit more conservative because there is so much action. Uh, a good example was Mayweather-McGregor, um, 2017, August 2017, which, which that event was very comparable to this. There, there was a lot, of, uh, compa- lot of, lot of similarities, how it was dealt, how it was booked, etc. But that, that's a perfect example of how, how the books kind of um, – they, they took a lot of sharp – 
they took a lot of public action on Connor, but all the sharps are on the other side. McGregor now, I mean on on Mayweather. Sorry, right. Um, yeah. So so the odds were probably minus four hundred, minus five hundred, right in that range. I mean we had it like minus four hundred. I it, I wanted to vomit, man, because I I knew I I was the first one who opened the odds. You know when the first rumors came out, and I opened them. I sent the guys. I was like, put it. Let's put a minus twenty five hundred on Mayweather. I'm like, this is too low, but everybody's going to be on McGregor. They're the fight betters. You just take all that people that's always bet the long underdogs, and that's what happened with Make uh, Mayweather McGregor. And people were betting on it. So you know, but we couldn't go anywhere. We went low as as we possibly could, and sharps were still on Mayweather. But we we're giving away that money just because so much action was on McGregor. So um, right. you know. That that kind of event deviated a little bit, and and so the election a little bit. I mean, we probably held it a little bit lower than we we could have should have. Um, you know, if the poll, if if you're just basing those odds off the polls, um, you know, Biden would have been a minus probably six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred favorite going into election day. But you know, it, the Trump money brought that down to minus two hundred. Plus, in the back of your mind polls you know how valid are they um you know yeah, but, exactly. but if we were trying to book that that even money you know trying to go 50 50 action it would have been i don't know probably Biden minus 130 or something uh, who, who know even then we probably would have been exposed on trump yeah exactly and yeah and that's exactly like like i said earlier about how i wanted to just hammer biden but the polls back in 2016 it, we just can't trust them because of what yeah. happened then uh but the polls now uh, like you said, with the implied probability, Biden, if you just base it off the polls, you should have been, what, like minus 300 or even higher yeah, than that. Probably. At least, yeah, at least, at least probably. Yeah. Now, the big thing that happened election night, uh, at least, I, like I said, I, I was taking control of the Odd Shark Twitter <clears> account. Uh, when Trump became the favorite, and then specifically when he got all the way up to like a minus 600 range at around 9.15 p.m. Eastern, uh, social media just absolutely blew up because yeah. if you're watching the the like the cable broadcast of it, they're all like no one was overreacting. They were still talking about how close of a race it was. But when it came to the odds, uh, Donald Trump just became a massive live favorite. Uh, so watching it was kind of weird to watch the the difference between you know cable the network news stations covering the election and looking at the betting odds. And I think that's why the betting odds got a lot of attention on social media that mm -hmm. night because of it. What exactly? happen what caused that massive swing uh in the odds in trump's favor because like i said he got up to like around minus 600 maybe even a little bit higher there at like nine right. yeah yeah we went a little higher actually i think we were up at minus 800 i know some of our competitors were over a thousand but um yeah you know it, it was a couple things a a florida everybody's watching florida um and 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 it was, it was looking like that was trending towards Trump. Trump was going to get that and, you know, Latino vote and all that stuff. So that was a big part of it. Um, even though he is favored to get, get Florida, but still, it was still hammering home that, holy hell, he's going to get Florida. Um, and then, you know, you're watching the news and, and, and these Rust Belt states, you know, what, what, or whatever, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota even. Um, it was showing the odds coming down, and he had the lead there as well. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's kind of a, a lot of a deja vu going on there. It's like, here we right. go again. I mean, here we go again. So there was some of that. And then there was some little bit of risk man, uh, risk management in play there. Like, oh, my God, here we go. We need some Biden money. Um, but then it came out, you know, that um, that, that, that they were count these states were counting the, the in-person votes, votes first. And then they would count the mail-in votes and the mail-in votes. Any, you know, 
would definitely be favored for Biden. So the early vote is going to be favored by Trump, hence the early lead in all these swing states. And then but Biden money would show or Biden votes would show up a little bit later in the evening, which is what happened. You know, when I when I went to bed, it was like a Biden or tr Trump was minus 145, and then when I woke up, I mean, Biden was minus 370. So those odds were coming back down after we saw, okay, um, you know, that the, the Biden votes were going to start coming in. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned deja vu because we were uh, taking a look at actually at what time the odds went in uh, Trump's favor back in 2016. And it was, it was like 9.35 p.m. Eastern in 2016 when the odds shifted to Trump's favor. And then like 15 minutes before that exact uh, time this year was when the odds flipped over in Trump's favor as well. So me just watching the betting odds, yeah. I basically was like, all right, well, that's it. Trump's going to win again. Um, yep. So I guess that, that was my next question where you kind of answered it there. Was it because I went to bed at 4 a.m. my time. I'm, I'm over in Atlanta, Canada. So. Uh, I was up late. I wanted to finally see that that Trump speech when he came out. Then I was up a little bit later after that to see if that was <laughs> going to cause the odd shift. They didn't. So I thought it'd be safe to sleep in a little bit. I slept in until, until about 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning my time. At least got a few hours of sleep. And then when I woke up, the odds had completely shifted back in Biden's All favor. Right. So was that was that mostly just kind of realizing that the mail-in votes were, were going to yeah, be mostly yeah, for yeah. Biden? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I stayed up past my bedtime too that night. Um, so, but I didn't stay up as late as you did, but I tried, man. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, I mean, I was going to go to bed when, when those odds on Trump was going, were going up. I was like, oh, I'm, I can't do this again. I was about yeah. to go to bed. And then they start coming back down. I was like, wait, let me get a beer. This is going to be good. So, yeah. so, uh, so yeah, but, it, but that, that, that was it. You know, there's the mail-in votes coming and, and that's where the odds came down and woke up the next morning and, and, uh, Biden had a, uh, a commanding lead once again so it, it was amazing man just a, just a crazy night we, we just hope that it ends soon and we can grade this damn thing and move on to 2024 yeah, yeah and uh, you mentioned you guys haven't uh, graded them qu uh, quite yet but i mean all signs do kind of point toward that that, that biden is going to win uh, yeah, Trump obviously hasn't conceded just quite yet and whether or not he's actually going to officially personally concede that's another question that's actually something you can bet on on your site as well you guys have odds up for that uh, and the odds right. don't look good that he's going to personally concede. But have you guys yet? Because I've seen this online from from a couple other sports books. Have you guys at all had any Trump betters uh, emailing you asking for a refund yet, claiming that uh, the election was fraudulent? Uh, I'm sure we do an email. I got hit up by a couple guys on Twitter, and I was like, dude, you, you got you can't be serious. You really can't be serious. I yeah. mean, come on, <laughs> and, you know it's 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 everybody that hits submit button on on their bet knew that this could turn into a complete, you know, uh, mess. We all know it's going to yeah. be controversial. If, 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 if Biden won, quote-unquote, it looks like that Donald wasn't going down <laughs> quietly. And, you know, he's been he's been planting the seeds for months that it's it, the only way Biden can win if it's it's fixed, rigged, fraud, et cetera. So, you know, everybody that hit submit on, on, on those Donald Trump bets or Biden bets knew that, we could be this could this could be a little bit of a mess so you know we're gonna wait and and that's the only thing you do there's just too much money on the line this isn't some super bowl halftime prop where you know the wording right. was you know there's some kind of little gray thing you know the guy says uh you know um, uh, jesus was looking down on me and people are like well he, he, he thanked the lord first like well you know did he thank it you know and then you're in a mess and you're like oh you know whatever just grade it yes and 
a couple winners or whatever. Let's move on. This isn't that. This is the biggest betting event in the history of bet online. And I know a lot of our competitors are saying the same. So we need to take our time and get it right. And uh, there'll be a winner and there'll be a loser. Hopefully soon, but it might it might drag out a little bit. But but I think a lot of people are accepting that now. When we when we first you know Sunday or whenever it was Saturday, I can't remember. All these days are coming together. You know, there's some guys that are a little angry on Twitter, but you know that's gone away. You know, there's a couple guys are wanting their money, but it's like, dude, you gotta wait, man. And and a lot of, and all the yeah. people on Twitter, you know, are back, you know, are backing us up and saying, hey, they have to wait. You know, so it's it, uh, it's it's yeah. it's a no brainer. It's just too much money on the line. It's too big of an event, and, and you know, too polarizing as well. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, uh, I mean, this is yeah, this is not a small uh, Super Bowl prop bet, and it's kind of funny that right. you brought brought that up because actually one of the reasons why I love you guys, and I think one of you guys are one of the most trusted sports books online. I remember he's either I don't remember if it was this year or last year, and it was actually a Super Bowl prop bet. I think it was on the national anthem, the over under on the national anthem, and there was big controversy by it because I think they might have said like an extra word or something, or they drug out the last yeah. note. I don't remember what it was, but you guys, I remember you guys ended up just paying out both sides. Yeah, uh, which I thought which I thought was really cool, but obviously you can't do that in the election, right? Uh, especially with how much money is on the line. Yeah, I mean that was a six figure payout. That that was healthy, you know. That was big. I was like, hell, we, we're gonna pay out six figures, but this is this is what he eight-figure pay, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a <laughs> yeah. thing about being generous and a thing about being absolutely stupid. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was a national. I forget what we had. We had the wording. Some books used to do this wording. Some For some reason, we did it that year. Uh, brave. It ends at the... Uh, the timer ends at the end of the first brave. So somebody says brave, brave, brave at the end three or four times. Our... our Ours cut it off at the end of the first one, but that was confusing as hell. And 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 the time came down, like exactly after the first brave, and like before the fourth brave or whatever. So there's controversy, you know. It it, it kind of middled there, but in between the braves, yeah, and people were and they had the right, I, you know. I, I other books use that wording. I don't know why, but we never did. And then we did that one year, and I was like, what the hell did we use this wording for? It's it just do it from. Start of the first note to end of the last note. Easy, black and white. I don't care. Break yeah. five thousand freaking times, dude. But, but uh, right. we did it that year for some reason. Of course, it middled, and you know we graded it one way when the other it should have been over, but we graded it under, and, and, and technically we we're fine, but it was confusing as hell. So we're like, you know what? Run the numbers. Okay, it's going to cost us a hundred some thousand dollars. Screw it. Great, great in both winners because it we kind of screwed up there with our wording. That's wild that it was uh, cost you guys six figures. It's always funny to me that that's always like the biggest prop bet on Super Bowl night. And maybe even just the biggest bet. In, well, obviously not on the side or total, but uh, the length of the national anthem. Uh, it's one of the most popular bets every year, which I find hilarious. Um, but I just want to end on one last thing. Uh, because you did mention you want to get these uh, bets graded, want to move on to the 2024 election. Have you guys got any early bets uh, on the 2024 election whatsoever? I mean, it's four years away, so I can't imagine too many people are, are going to want to tie up their money for the next four years. Kamala Harris right. right now, the betting favorite, plus 250. Joe Biden, plus 700. Andrew Yang, plus 800. So yeah, have you guys had any action at all uh, early? Yeah, man, the people, are betting. Yeah? people are betting. I mean, we have some five-figure uh, liabilities wow. out there already. And, and the biggest one? Is Donald Trump Sr. They're still on the Trump train, baby. 20, 25 to one. So if he loses uh, the Biden here and 
runs in four years. I mean, I'll be all for from a business point of view. I'll be all for it because Trump is good for uh, political betting. <laughs> so, the early betters are on the Trump train already. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, 25 to 1. And, and I think a uh, word came out today that it, it, if he does end up, I guess, conceding, he is going to run again in four years. So, uh, yeah, those Trump betters can't let it go, I guess. Back on it again for another four years. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> Uh, all right, Dave. Well, uh, that's all I had for you, man. I really appreciate uh, you coming on and answering these questions. It was really interesting because, like I said, that was a, that was a, a night that I had never experienced uh, in, in, in my 10 years of betting on sports and betting on everything else. That was a crazy night. So I wanted to get your perspective from a sports book perspective. Of course, like I said, you work for Bet Online, one of my favorite books on the internet, one of the most reliable books on the internet. So thank you very much for coming on, Dave. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so there you have it. That uh, Thank you to Dave Mason for agreeing to do the interview there. I thought he said a lot of uh, interesting stuff. Uh, I apologize that the audio quality wasn't quite as good for the interview as uh, part of it than uh, the normal parts where I'm just ranting into a microphone to nobody in particular. Um, I'll work on that. Obviously, I don't have the most uh, expensive setup here, uh, and I have to, had to change a, a few things around to be able to interview someone where I can hear them, they can hear me, and uh, we can at least record the conversation, and it worked out well. So outside of the uh, little bit of a lower quality audio, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, this is the, the first one in a while. that has been over an hour, but I think uh, I, I think the interview was pretty interesting. Like I said, let me know if uh, there's anyone else that you want me to interview on the podcast. Maybe I'll get old Joe uh, on here one of these days. Who knows? I know he's not a big podcast uh, guy. He doesn't really like doing podcasts, so I don't really want to ask him. But <laughs> maybe if you guys ask him to, maybe maybe he'll come on. Uh, but other than that, I don't have much else. Uh, donate to my Movember page. So check out my Twitter, Twitter Ian Mac OS. Uh, donate to that if you have a couple of spare funds for men's health. I'm raising it for a good cause. My mustache is looking beautiful so far. I'll keep you updated on that. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate it, review it. That's all I got for you. I'll see you. On uh, Thursday will be my NFL Week 10 episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, so I'll talk to you then. I love you all, and best of luck with your bets this week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.